Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live or connect with us on Facebook. You happy to be in church today? Smile real big if you're happy to be in church. I was waiting for it. Thank you. Yeah, he's smiling real, real good up there. And uh, we're, we're glad you're here. Matthew 22 is where we're going to look. We're in a series called uh, Arsenal. And uh, today, by the way, is Pentecost Sunday. Uh, that is the birthday of the church. You say, well, what's significant about Pentecost Sunday? Uh, it's like another one of those things on the calendar that we don't wait to celebrate when it comes around. Uh, we are people who are uh, filled with the presence of God, filled with the Spirit of God, and so this is an everyday encounter. It's kind of like Christmas and Easter. We don't just celebrate the hope of Christmas and Easter on Christmas and Easter. How many know what I'm talking about? We celebrate the hope that is all year round. Pentecost is significant because it's the birth of the church, and in Jerusalem on that day when Jesus told the disciples to wait in Jerusalem to receive the power of the Holy Spirit, they received the power of the Holy Spirit 50 days after Jesus uh, had risen from the dead, and so 50 days after uh, what we celebrate Easter, on that 50th day, Pentecost, that the, the power of God fell upon them, that was the birth of the church. Whatever sect of church you call it, if it's Jesus at the center, that's where the church began. Whether you call it Baptist, Methodist, Episcopal, Lutheran, whatever you call it, the church began with Jesus. Because how many know if you don't have Jesus, you don't have the church? And so it was on the day of Pentecost that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And as they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they began to speak in unknown languages, in the language of the people. How I many know oh, that's a miracle? That's the power of God creating miracle to do things of significance. They were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. It transformed their world, and it's still transforming the world today because of the power of the Holy Spirit. We've been in this series called Arsenal, and Arsenal simply means to have an array of resources that are meant for a specific purpose. Jesus gave us, through the Holy Spirit, he gave us resources known as the gifts of the Spirit. And those resources are to build the body of Christ. He's given us an array of resources that we might build up the body of Christ, that we might build one another up in a most holy faith, that we would see the work of God expand in this, in this hour, in this day. And he's given us the tools to do that, the gifts of the Spirit. And so we've been looking over these weeks and uh, last week kicking it off, continuing on how we operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Last week we talked about just the, the, the reality that the gifts of the Spirit are still for today. They didn't end in the Bible. They didn't end in the days of the Bible or even just after the Bible. The gifts of the Spirit are still for today. We also recognize that the gifts of the Spirit are for everyone who follows Jesus Christ. That, that you may have different gifts, and, and uh, your gifts might look different than someone else's, but each of us have been given gifts for this purpose, an array of resources that we might build up the body of Christ. And so they still operate today, and they're everyone who is a follower of Jesus Christ has access to the gifts of the Spirit. We celebrated uh, yesterday, just had a great time in our faith faith conference, and, and what a time. We, we had people filled with the Holy Spirit. We had people healed. We had words of prophecy and just words of encouragement that were given. And uh, those that gathered yesterday, we had a, a great time. And it's not about having a great time. It's about having the empowerment that we might continue to walk deeper in the things of God. Even we reference Ezekiel in the, the vision that Ezekiel had in the Old Testament that water went from the temple. And in the vision that Ezekiel had, 
everywhere that it went, the water got deeper and deeper and it brought dead things to life. How many believe there's still deeper things in the waters of God's presence? There's still deeper things that he wants to do, continuing to bring dead things to life. I wanna talk today about the desires. If uh, Paul tells us to eagerly desire the gifts and I wanna challenge us today in just being ready for what God wants to do, that we would have a posture of readiness, a desire that we're ready for God to do what it is that he wants to do in our lives. And this readiness is, is being available. In Matthew chapter 22, there's a parable, and this is just simply an illustrated story that Jesus gives to talk about the kingdom of God. He's telling them about the kingdom that's going to come, but I wanna remind us that the kingdom is both futuristic and present. There is still the, the coming kingdom when he will set up his eternal reign, but his kingdom is already on the earth. The reason why? Because the spirit of God dwells inside of each and every one of us who are filled with the presence of God, who know Jesus Christ. That we are the temple of the living God. God doesn't dwell in buildings made by man. He dwells in the man, that, in, the, in the individuals that he created in his image who come to know him. And so because the spirit of God is inside of us, we have the kingdom of God alive in us. And so now we are living not only in futuristic where we're desiring the kingdom to come, but we're also living on earth, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven until we arrive to the place that we bring heaven to earth on the day of the Lord's eternal reign. And you and I don't know the days. We don't know when that's gonna happen. We don't know what the process or, or we know some of the details that'll happen from scripture. We don't know the time. And Jesus said not to worry about the times. He said, just take care of doing the work that the Father has sent for us to do. And what is that? To, to receive the power of the Holy Spirit that we might make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, to build up the church, to be his influence, his representation on the earth through the power of the Holy Spirit. He gives us an invitation. And in this story in Matthew 22, Jesus is, is talking about the invitation going out and a response. And I want to uh, look today and just ask us, are we ready to respond to Jesus? Not only in the day when, he, when we stand before him, because we will all die and give an account. We're all going to stand before God one day. Some of us are closer to that day than others. And there have been certain days in my life I thought, God, you could come right now. It'd be a great day for you to come back. We, we look forward to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. But until that day comes, we are living out the purpose of God on the earth. And we're living in the purpose of God, carrying the kingdom of God. But are we ready to respond? Ask your neighbor today, are you ready for Jesus? Yeah, you're like, what kind of question is that? Matthew 22, why don't you stand with me today? And I'm going to read this, this story that Jesus gives. The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his son, a king preparing for his son. The king is God, the son is Jesus. The great wedding feast is the kingdom of God where we'll be with him forever. He says he's prepared a great wedding feast. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were invited, but they all refused to come. So he sent other servants to tell them the feast has been prepared. The bulls and fattened cattle have all been killed and everything is ready. Come to the banquet. How many know that the sacrifice has already been made through the cross, the blood of Jesus Christ? Every way has already been made. It is ready. We don't need to do anything else but receive what he has already done. And so he's coming. He says, the sacrifice has been made. Tell them, the servants go and tell them that it's ready. Come to the banquet. Verse 5. 
but the guests he had invited ignored them and went their own way, one to his farm, another to his business. Others seized his messengers and insulted them and killed them. The king was furious, and he sent out his army to destroy the murders and, the, and to burn their towns. I just want to let you know the love of God is great, but so is the anger of God. There is a wrath of God that is reserved for that day. Um, there is a day of wrath. And if you say today that today is a day of wrath, oh, like my mom used to say, I'll give you something to cry about, right? Like, like, and there is a day that's coming. And on that day of judgment, for those who are in Christ, it will be a great and glorious day. But for those who are not, it will be a day of, of, of struggle, of difficulty, of, of great darkness. But he says to them to go and burn the towns. There's punishment, verse eight. He said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready and the guests I have invited aren't worthy of honor. Oh God, help us to be worthy. We'll talk about being worthy because none of us are worthy except through Jesus Christ. But putting on the righteousness that he gives us. Now go into the street corners and invite everyone you see. Notice it's shifted now. Don't just invite those who are guests. I want you to invite everybody you see. The guests were those who were on the list. How many know <laughs> not everybody makes the wedding list? And so you, if you've ever been offended because you didn't make the wedding list, give grace. Because not everybody can afford everybody to come on their wedding list. There's a wedding list that's given, and it's usually those who are relatives. And so a wedding list has been made for, Jews, for, for, for the Israelites, for Israel, but they reject it. And God said, then if you don't want it, I'm going to give it to everybody. Now, how many are thankful today that he made it available to everybody? This is not to a select few. And so it's not just to those who are on the list anymore. Now he says, I want you to go and make this invitation to everybody that you see. I invited, uh, I want you to invite everyone. So the servants brought in everyone they could find, the good and the bad alike. Look at your neighbor, say, you're qualified. I don't know if they're good or bad. I don't know which, which segment, that's not, just let that alone. It doesn't even matter. Uh, invite all of them to come in. And the banquet hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to meet the guests, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for the wedding. Friend, the king asked, how is it that you are here without wedding clothes? How did you make it here? How, how are you here and not putting on the clothes that are appropriate for the wedding? But the man had no reply. Then the king said to his aides, Bind his hands and feet and throw him into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. I'm going to talk today just from this question. What do you have to say? There's a calling going out. God is calling you and I. He's put a calling out. He's called us to get ready, to get ready to meet Jesus. One day we'll stand before him. But he's also asking us, are you ready to walk with me? This is not just, are you ready to meet me? That's the most important. But are you ready to walk with me? Because how many know he's given us an invitation and he's inviting us today? And so what do we have to say? Lord, I pray that our hearts would be ready, that God help us to hear your call, receive your call, and respond to your call. We pray this in Jesus' name. If you agree with that today, would you say amen? amen. You may be seated. Ask your neighbor, what do you have to say for yourself? That's, what do you have to say? Oh... Uh, you can finish that conversation on the way home, all right? <laughs> and maybe before you get there, it'll be a whole different 
different perspective. I, I, um, you, know, you might think it's odd being you know, a, a pastor who, who speaks and talks in front of people, but I do not like being put on the spot and called upon in a group of people. I, I, don't, I don't like it. Part of it might just be my personality, but I, I remember to this day, and, and, and it's still something I don't like, but I remember in school that the moment I heard Jason, my heart sank, my face turned red, and I started to shake. I don't know if anyone else in the room can relate to that. There are other people like, you know, it, when you get called on the spot, it's like, <gasps> and it feels like this pressure, like you're called upon, and, and it followed me all the way. Even to this day, I don't like being in group settings where, where, you know, somebody calls on, and you feel that pressure to give an answer. And of course, I grew up in the, I was born in the late 70s, and so Jason was a common name back then. So there are like three in our class, Jason, <gasps> okay, someone else, all right. I don't like to be called upon. I don't want to be put on the spot. And you might not be able to recognize that or relate to that because your personality is like, I didn't mind when they called my name. I acted up, became the class clown just so I could hear them call my name. Some people didn't mind the moment. I, I, I didn't like being put on the spot. But you, you might not be able to re relate to the personality of that, but you can relate to this. The reason I didn't like being put on the spot is because I didn't want to show myself insufficient and unable to answer the question. I didn't want to be put on the spot because I might know the answer, but I'm not so confident and I don't want to look like a fool. I don't want to fail. I don't want to fall short. Now, you might not have the same personality as me, but you probably have the same, the same feeling of I don't want to be found out to fall short, to fail, or not have what it takes, or to not be able to answer the question. When the teacher would call on me, I'd feel on the spot because the teacher wants to know if I knew the answer but the calling that God has for you and I is not to determine if you know the answer. The calling that the great teacher has, the great, the good God, the one who created all things, he's not calling you to see if you know the answer. He's calling you to see if you're available and willing to let him be the answer in and through your life. You see, the work of the Holy Spirit, when we avail ourselves to the working of the Spirit, it's us saying yes to God that we allow him to work in and through us so that who we are, what we do, how we think, how we act, how we talk, how we treat people, what we do is not us, but the Spirit of God working through us. That we allow the gifts of the Spirit, that the presence of God to be in operation, that he's, he's not putting us on the spot. He's not calling you today to say, do you have the answer? Do you have what it takes? He's calling you today and saying, will you be willing? Are you available? Will you avail yourself? Will you answer my call? Will you have a desire and a heart to see the things that I want to, to do and accomplish in and through your life? He's calling you and I. What do we have to say Will we, will we be available for him to work? There's a, there's a scripture in Mark that points out the impact of the, the work of the Spirit inside of our, our hearts and our lives. The Bible says that in the last days when things become chaotic, there's certain things that are going to happen. And, and how many would recognize, we already live in a little bit of a chaotic and confused world. How many would, would agree that what the Bible said thousands of years ago is come to pass in the day that we're living in. There's chaos and confusion in the world, but here's the good news. Just because the world is chaotic doesn't mean we have to be. 
Just because the world walks in confusion doesn't mean we have to. We walk in the power and the presence of God. The Spirit of God dwells inside of us. But on that day, Jesus said, when these things get, begin to happen, when it gets chaotic, when, when right becomes wrong and wrong becomes right and things are upside down, he says, you'll be handed over to local councils. You'll be beaten in the synagogues. You'll stand trial before governors, kings, because you are my followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell them about me. Now, some of us are like, this does not sound like good news. That in the days of difficulty, struggle, and things that would come, he says in those moments that this will happen so that the, the gospel, the good news, can be preached to all the nations. Verse 11, but when you are arrested and stand trial, don't worry in advance what to say. Just say what God tells you at that time. For it is not you who will be speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Recognize it's not you and I. When we operate in the gifts of the Spirit, it is not you and I operating. It is the Spirit of God operating through us that we become available and we're partners. God's not saying and asking you and saying, will you, be, will you come and give the right answer because you're not the answer. He's saying, will you be available and let me reveal the answer through your life. So that when you talk, it can be the Holy Spirit talking through you. When people are healed, the gift of healing, it's not you, it's the Holy Spirit through you. When you get a word of knowledge or prophecy or interpretation or tongues and, and the wisdom and dis, the discerning of gifts, it's not you, but the Spirit in you. He's asking today, will you be available? He's calling you. He's calling each of us to be available, not to have the answer, not to be on the spot to be the answer, but to allow him with willingness and availability to be the answer and reveal the answer through us. He's asking today, not do you know the answer, he's asking, are you available for me to reveal the answer through you? Is there anyone in the room today who say, God, I hear you calling and I wanna be found available. I wanna be found ready in this hour, in this day, in this moment. What will we say when he calls? What will the answer be when he calls to us, when he, he gives us the opportunity? He's not calling us to work for him. He's calling us or inviting us to work with him. This word calling literally is invitation. It means inviting. Whenever he says that, that uh, go out and invite my, my, my guests to come in, go out and invite the guests, that word invite is go bring in the ones who are called. The ones who, who are called. Why, well, why are they called? Because they're in, in Israel's day, they're, they're connected. They're, they're in this relationship. Bring them in. They're called. Here's the difference. It's not enough just to be called. It now requires us to be chosen because many are called, but few are chosen. We'll get to that at the end because right now fear can come in the room and say, am I chosen? I want you to know the invitation is going out to everybody and whether or not you're chosen depends on your response to how you respond to what God is calling you to. It it's, it's the call. My responsibility is to be ready to the presence of God. When my spirit is who I am and reveals what is taking place, when my, my spirit is responsive, my heart is made ready and my tongue is revealing. How many know that where your treasure is, there your heart will be? And the things that are important to you is where your heart will be. And so where are the treasures? Because your heart will reveal where the treasures are. That where, where, what are you responding to? What is it that you're, you're responding to? That will reveal the heart. But then how many know the Bible says that your mouth will reveal what's inside your heart? Because from the abundance of your mouth, the heart speaks. And so when I am responsive to the Spirit of God, my heart becomes ready for the work of God and my mouth reveals who God is and what he's doing in my life. That working, that, my, that, that, that what we have to say, God wants to 
give us the ability to speak in the power that is not our own, but the power that comes from him. On the day of Pentecost, they spoke in other tongues and they spoke the language of the people as God enabled them. I want you to know that the power of the Holy Spirit is that miraculous and that awesome and that wonderful that God can reveal the the things to a world that is lost and broken. And guess what? He's so good at that that he can also take control of my tongue and help me to speak the right way to my wife, the right way to my family, the right way to my, my, my workplace, the right place, right where I am. How many know that to be controlled by the Spirit is not just a momentary or occasional thing, it's every day walking in step with the Spirit, that he has the tongue revealing what's in my heart, and in my heart is what I'm responding to in the world that's around me. Are we ready to respond to the calling that God has in our life? Peter asked this question in 1 Peter chapter three, even if you suffer, he didn't ask the question, but he made the statement, even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain. Always be ready to give an answer. And that readiness to give an answer can only happen when I'm in pursuit of the presence of God, when, my, when I'm responding to the presence of God, when my heart is made ready by the Spirit of God, only then can I reveal with my mouth who God is and what he's doing in my life. There needs to be a readiness This asking us if we're ready today on two fronts. Are you ready to meet Jesus when it's time to stand before God? You're gonna stand before God one day. Every one of us are going to come to a place. It's 100%, uh, uh, not just 100% possibility. It's an absolute that every one of us are going to come to the end of this life. We're gonna breathe our last breath and stand before God. Are we ready to respond? Are we ready to meet Jesus on that day? But the invitation is more than just meeting Jesus on that day. That's the most important thing but also what comes with it it is the opportunity to walk with him in relationship and in personal relationship through the power of the Holy Spirit to live the life that he's called us to on this earth in this moment. God's looking for people who will walk in the purpose that he has because the invitation that he's given. Are you ready? How are we responding? The story that we see here is of a a banquet and the the, the wedding feast is prepared And so the king sends his servants to go invite them to come in. And when he invites them, the the servant says, hey, the king has brought an invitation. The king who who reigns, the king who has resources, the king who has supplies, he's brought an invitation for you to come to the king's banquet. And the Bible says that the first group of invites, they refused. They were not interested. They refused the invitation. So the king sends them back again and says, tell them everything is ready. The sacrifices are made. Everything's in place. And so the king sends servants out again. And this time, they not only reject, but they ignore. And some go back to their farms, to their businesses, and still others seize the servants and said, not only do we not want to hear what you say, but we're going to make sure we don't have to hear what you say. They literally killed some of the servants. You say, well, it's just a story. Well, it is a story, but it's revealing what happened in the Old Testament because in the Old Testament, they killed the prophets. They killed certain ones that they didn't want to hear. If we don't want to hear them, we're going to shut you up. But how many know you can't shut up the word of God and the power of God, the presence of God? You can't stop the word of God from going forth. And so they did all of that even in the Old Testament. And so Jesus is giving this parallel and this story And he's saying to them, invite them to come. Well, they rejected and they killed the prophets or they killed the servants. And so there is punishment because God will not contend with the heart of man forever. There'll be a day where God will say, that's enough. And I don't know when that day is, but I don't want to find out either. 
I want to walk in the grace and the provision that God has. But then the invitation goes to whosoever will. All right, if they don't want it, they're called, and they don't want it, then I'm going to send it to everyone else. This, this idea of called and chosen would relate this way. I grew up in a foster home, and growing up in the foster home, I was the oldest of six kids. My sister and I were the biological kids. We stayed while foster kids came and left. But then through that process, eight of them stayed because my parents adopted, my, my parents adopted six of them. And so now I'm the oldest of eight because they just adopted two more kids. And so I just keep adding more siblings to my family. And uh, it, it's just, it's so cool. And, and so there is this relationship that my brothers and I have and uh, it's one of those things my brothers like to say to me, well, mom and dad got stuck with you, but they chose us, you know, because <laughs> they're adopted and I'm not. And so in some areas, it's this idea that uh, there is this, this place of belonging, and then there's this choice. God, want, God is choosing whosoever will, but the choice is up to us. And there were those at Israel that were in the vine. They were, they were already in relationship. They, they, they were told of Abraham uh, of, and, and the promise of the Messiah, but they rejected. And God said, well, if you're going to reject that, I'm going to open it up and make it available, which I'm so glad he opened it up so that we could be adopted and brought in, that we could be brought into a relationship with Jesus Christ. He's given the opportunity. One man takes the opportunity. Many take the opportunity because the Bible says the place was full that the king's banquet was filled, the house was filled. But isn't it interesting that in the midst of a full house, the king saw one man? I want you to know today, you say, I don't know if God sees me. God sees you in the midst of a crowd. Jesus looked on them and he had compassion. Jesus is so good at seeing the detail that he found the one man in the midst of the crowd. You're not alone, you're not isolated, you're not forgotten, you're not in a place where God can't see you. He knows you and he sees you. In the midst of the crowd, he saw this one man, but he saw this one man because he didn't have the clothes of the wedding clothes on. And the king goes to him and says, how did you get here and not put on the clothes? But notice the man's reply. He said nothing. And the reason he said nothing is because he didn't put on the identity, the relationship. And in our world today, we need a church that is not silent but a church that is active and operating in the gifts and the power of the Spirit of God, the presence of God. We need a church, not with megaphones to be obnoxious. We need a church with the power and presence of God who can demonstrate God's glory and reveal to a world that is broken. We need a church that's ready to give an answer. A church that's ready to respond in the power and the presence of God. And when we do, it's not us talking, it's the Spirit of God talking through us. And when we go, it's not us going, it's the Spirit of God going in us. That we, that we partner and operate with the gifts of the Spirit. God is calling us. What will we say in this day? I want to give you a couple things re related to the call this morning. The worship team's going to come. Here's number one. I, I want you to understand this today. When it comes to the call, you are invited to an everyday journey with Holy Spirit. You are invited every day to walk with him, to wake up with him, to go to the purpose, the place that he's called you. This invitation is not just for when you die. Are you ready to meet Jesus? 
This invitation is, will you walk with him and allow him to walk and operate through you so that you can do what Paul said to the church in Galatia, walk in step with the spirit. Because when you walk in step with the spirit of God, you won't fulfill the lust of your flesh. What way to overcome the lust of the flesh? To walk in the spirit and the invitation of God every day, to walk in his word, to walk in his promise, to walk in what he's called us to do, that there's an invitation that when we, we come to this place and recognizing the invitation, you, you got to ask ourselves, or we got to ask ourselves today, what was it in these servants or in these, these invited guests that when the king, I don't know about you, but how often do you get an invitation from the king? The king says sends servants to invite them to a banquet. Well, where's the banquet? At the king's place. What happens when you go visit the king? The king prepares food for you and the king gives gifts and favors to everyone who comes into his place as an invited guest. You know this this culture and tradition that we have at weddings. When you sit out down at the table, sometimes they'll have the party favors. You know, that's a tradition that goes all the way back that when you invite guests into your home, you give, them tr- you give them favors as to say to them, you're welcome, you're accepted, you belong. That was not just a cultural thing that we dreamed up. It goes all the way back to ancient time that when you would come into the king, the king would give favor. And guess what? When peasants went into the king's presence and the kings gave him favor, there were good things. He put on good clothes. He gave them good gifts. He gave good favor. And the God who is the king has invited you and I into his home and he's got good favors for his guests. He's got good things for us. And so the king invites and the practice is when you come, he's gonna give you favor. He's gonna give you things that you didn't earn. You just responded to his guests. Well, how'd you make the list? You're on the list and he's inviting you. Now, I want you to think about this. The king has given an invitation and he's invited people to come and the king says to his servants, I want you to come. Now, we don't read in there, there's favors, you're going to get this, here's on the menu, I don't know. We don't know all the detail, but all we know is the king gave an invitation and they said, oh, thank you. What is so important in their life that they denounced or rejected an invitation from the king? I got to ask you, what did they think they were sitting on that spending time with the king was not that important or had so little value? What was so important? What was it that I don't have time to seek the king? I don't have time to leave what I'm doing and go to the king's palace. I don't have time for that. What I'm doing is very important. What is it? What is it today that's so important that you can't allow and and move towards it? What is it? The Bible says that some of them returned to their farms, their place of identity. Some of them went to their business, the place they were trying to, to, to have reputation in community. I want to ask you today, what is it that when the king gives you an invitation and the king says, I want you to walk with me and be with me, I want, I want you to walk in my favor, in my gifts, in my anointing, in my presence. I want you to walk with me. And if we reject the king's offer, what have we thought in our head is so much better than what he's given. What is it today that we say, this is better than that? I, I don't know, but let's be honest. It's not just, oh, they didn't wanna go visit the king. No, they were turning down all the gifts, all the favor, all the blessing. They were turning down what they would receive that every time they come into the king, king's presence. That God has gifts and has things that he wants you and I to operate in. And I want you to hear today that there's an invitation 
to walk every day with the Holy Spirit. There's an invitation to walk in his favor. What is his favor? The unmerited gifts, things I don't deserve. Things that I did not earn, but he offers and he gives the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, his presence that he's operating and walking with us. Number two, the king will go or the kingdom will go on with or without you. The first one is an invitation goes to everyone to be a part of this everyday journey with God. Number two, the kingdom will go on with or without you. You got to recognize this. The king said, go invite those who are on the list. Oh, those on the list don't want to come? Then I'm going to invite someone else because my house will be filled. I will. Someone, God will get word of worship and praise because he even said this. If people don't cry out, the rocks on the side of the road are going to, he is going to get glory. He is going to get praise. He's going to use someone. And when he looks for someone in the earth, oh God, here am I. Send me, see me, find me. And God is just looking for an available heart who will say yes to him because if it's not you, he'll find someone else. His work is going to happen. He's going to do the, the task, the things that he's called to do, that we are called and invited, that God is calling us to this invitation. And this invitation goes to those who are even on the outskirts. I, I thank God that his invitation went to a, a young 22-year-old who was never grown up in church religious by name. He was Catholic by name, had nothing to do with God. He was, he would just drink and had liked women and all of that. But I'm so glad that the gospel went to that man who was not worthy. And that man was my father. And in 1979, Jesus got a hold of an unworthy man's life, turned him around and set a whole new course of direction. God's presence and promise goes to everybody, whosoever will. The invitation is going out. If you're here today, you're called. You say today, well, how do I know if I'm called? If you hear the voice of God, if you hear the spirit of God drawing you, you know you're called. Well, you say, well, how do I know if I'm chosen? It's whether or not you respond to the call that God has given and placed on your heart. Many are called, but few are chosen. Here's number three. The opportunity to receive or reject is your choice. You have a choice. Now, there were some who would believe that there is the elect, that the elect means that God is predestined and set in order. God did not set in order who would go to heaven and who wouldn't go to heaven. God knew who would choose and who would decline. See, God foreknew all things from the very, he, he knew all things from the very beginning. And this whole idea of choice comes down to, you say, well, then if that's the case, then why would God even create people who he knew would not choose him? It goes all the way to then why would God even put the tree in the garden if he knew Adam and Eve would eat of the tree of knowledge of knowledge of good and evil, why would he even put that in there? Because it's built on free will and decision. You have a choice to walk with Jesus Christ. And that choice is for you and I to make. You have a choice. There are those that would, would, would come and, and, and given the opportunity that we can respond. How will we respond to the message, to the call of God? God gives you and I a choice. How do I know? Because everything we do is based off of consequence and consequence is choice. So if there were no choice, that theory has to go all the way down then. Forget people who murder. They can't help. They had no choice. Forget people who rob your house. Well, they have no choice. They didn't have a choice. How many know we punish and we bring into correction because people made the wrong choice with the intention of helping them to be corrected to make the right choice? You and I, have a choice. 
Just like a thief has a choice, a murderer has a choice, a Jesus follower has a choice. You have a choice every day to pursue the things of God or to pursue your own flesh and your own desire. It's your choice. And if something comes on you and says, I can't help myself, that was called a choice that said, I didn't want to. There's choices that we have, and we have to make the decision. So here's the last thing I want to share with you today is this, that the choice is yours, the choice is ours, but I want you to also know that God equips those that he calls. So God has given you and I a call. He's calling you and I. The invitation is going to everybody for an everyday journey to walk with Jesus. The invitation is, is gone to everyone that if you reject it, it'll go to someone else. It's, it's going to everybody. The invitation is your choice to choose or reject, to receive or reject. It's your decision. But I want you to also understand this invitation that whoever God calls, he also equips. He gives you what you need to the call that he's given you and I. He's made it possible. You see, because he says to this one who comes in and he finds him without his clothes, without the, the wedding clothes, he's got his same old clothes. He says to the man, how did you get in here and you don't have your wedding clothes on? See, we have to understand that the culture of this time, as we already said, the king gives gifts and favors. That everybody that was invited to the king or that would respond to the king's banquet and the invitation, when they would come in, the king, because of his prominence, especially those who had great wealth, those who had great resources, those kings would literally give you a change of clothes when you came to the banquet. And the reason you would get a change of clothes, it also was a part of the custom that we understand in that day that they would wash your feet. And why? Because you would travel a great distance. And when you would travel from this place to the invitation, you, you got the invitation. But as you went through, you walked through some places that were dirty. You got sweaty. You got filthy. You got sticky. You got ugly. You got messy because you were traveling a distance. But when you got to the king's banquet, he would have servants wash your feet and then he would give you a new set of clothes so you didn't have to wear the old dirty clothes to come in he gave you new clothes that you could walk but this man for whatever reason said no I'll keep the old and sometimes there's us that God is calling us and he's called us into the place of his presence and instead of taking what he's given we receive and come to him and we want from him but we've not allowed him to take off the old clothes and put on the new clothes, that there's this, this trade that happens that he wants us to be clothed, to walk in his righteousness. And some of us right now, we feel the pressure of not being good enough. I don't have what it takes. I've failed too many times. I've looked at pornography. When I say I'm gonna stop, I keep going back. When I said I'm not gonna, not gonna cheat or lie, I've gone back to that same thing. When I said I'm gonna be honest and tell the truth, I manipulate, I've done. There's some of us and we feel the weight and the burden of us failing. And I want you to know today, it's not a question of are you worthy? The question is, will you get your eyes off of you and lift your eyes to the one who is worthy of it all. He's got good gifts because when I look at what I have, my rag, my clothes are like filthy rags, but his garment is righteousness and he clothes me in his righteousness. You say, well, how do I know that I'm walking in this place? And here is the recognition of it. How do you know the difference if you've left your old clothes on or your new clothes? I'll tell you, it comes to this, the desires 
of your heart? What are the desires of your heart? Listen what the Bible says in Ezekiel. This, this clothing that God is offering in, in Ezekiel, the Bible says in verse 36, he says, then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey all my regulations. If you wanna know if you're putting on the clothes of God, it connects to what is the desire of your heart. The Bible says that he will give us the desires of our heart. If you delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. The desires of your heart don't mean, well, I can just play the lottery, roll the dice, and big money, big money, big money. God, give me the desires of my heart. That's not it. What it means is God will take out your unworthy desires and put in righteous and holy desires. He'll start putting desires in you that are no longer for yourself and your own desires, but now you start desiring the things of God. You start moving after him. Somebody has told me, and I have not yet believed him enough to try it. Someone has told me that if I eat enough salad, I'll start to like it and I'll start wanting salads more than burgers. I don't know if that's true or not. <laughs> to be quite honest with you, I'd rather have a burger. But they have told me that if I would start eating salads, I would feel better. And in feeling better, I would desire those things more because of the benefit and I would start desiring. So they say. And you know what? They're probably right. But can I just be honest with you? I don't want your stinking salad. <laughs> I'd rather eat my burger. Now, before you judge me, and I'm not justifying anything. I know, make good choices. I got to make good choices, all of that. But here's my point. How many of us in the spiritual, sometimes in the spiritual, we're like, I don't really feel like spending time with God. I'd rather walk in the flesh. I'd rather, listen, I'm telling you, you start tasting and seeing how good he is. You'll start wanting. You'll start, you start taking, start stepping in, start walking in that direction, start desiring the things of God. He'll lead you to a place of desire. And you say, well, how do I know I'm continuing desire? Paul says, even desire the spiritual gifts, desire the gifts of God. When you know your heart is pursuing God, you start desiring his presence. And when you desire his presence, you start desiring his gifts because you know you're in partnership with him and now all of a sudden you're no longer walking in the filth of this world you're walking in the purpose that God has called because you heard his calling and you said here am I send me I'll go I'll walk I'll be available I'm not the answer but I'll let you be the answer in me I don't have what it takes but I'll let you give me what I need to bring hope to bring life to bring restoration I'll be available to what it is I'll hear your call and I'll respond. And so this morning, the invitation, it is on two fronts. Have you surrendered your life to Jesus and have you put on the clothing of righteousness? But there's more. The Bible says in Luke, Jesus says, go and wait in Jerusalem until you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. You will be clothed with power. Now, there's two different clothes. You say, wait, which one do I need? Both. You see, you put on the garment of righteousness because when I put on the garment of righteousness, it changes the desires in me. You following me? 
My heart begins to change on the inside. He takes my heart of stone, gives me a heart of flesh. I start becoming tender and desirous of the things of God. How many can relate to that? You had that moment where God has shifted your heart and all of a sudden there becomes this tenderness, this, this desire. I've had people say it this way to me. I've never read the Bible before, but lately I can't help but read it. That's the Spirit of God giving you a heart of flesh. He's taking your stone and now the desires are changing. He's working on the inside of you, but that's not all he wants. He wants you to not only put on the garment of righteousness that changes your hard heart, he wants you to put on the garment of power, his spirit, so that now you can demonstrate his power. The righteousness does a work in you, but the spirit of God does a work outside of you. Paul said this when he went to the Corinthians. He said, I didn't come to you with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of God's power. I came to you with a demonstration of God's power. The way I lived, the way I conducted my business, the way I lived my life, the way I spoke, the way I acted, the way I responded, it wasn't me. It was the Spirit of God working in me. Today, have you put on the garment of righteousness? Have you put on the clothes that the king has given you? He's got good favors. He's got good gifts. Put on the clothes. Why walk around in the filth and the dirt? Why keep putting on the clothes that my dad, my hand-me-downs? I could have put on the hand-me-downs, be a next-generation alcoholic, but I watched what Jesus did, and I didn't take the hand-me-downs. I took the new garment, the new, the new things that God has given. He's made all things new. The old is gone. He's made new. And guess what else? I put on the Spirit of God, the power of God, and God filled me with the power of His Spirit. Now I'm walking not only in the desires of God, I eagerly desire the gifts, and now God has caused those things that I am in partnership with God. I'm walking with Him, and now He's using us for His glory to see a world transformed. There's a call going out today. He's inviting you. The king sent me to invite you to his table. The king called me today to come to your place, to come to you to say, hey, the king has invited you to his table. He's invited you to his relationship. He's invited you to know his peace, to know his presence. You say, wait, I got a farm. I got a business. I Let me just say to you, don't put that farm in that business above the king's invitation because whatever you think you're going to find in that farm and business, you'll never find except at the table of the king. And if you seek first his kingdom, guess what? He might actually cause you to have a bigger farm and a bigger place. Don't do it for that reason. But the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added unto you. Why would you run after your own barn and cow manure when God says, I want you to sit at my table and eat with me? I want you to come and feast. I want you to be in my presence. I want you to have the strength that I give. Yeah, you're going to face the same battles everybody else faces, but you don't have to face them the way they do. You can face them in my spirit, in my power, in my clothing, in my ability. And on the day of Pentecost, they spoke in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. Oh, may we go throughout Fayette County, not in our ability, but as the Spirit of God gives us the ability. May we put on the clothes of His power and of His righteousness to see His glory. There's an invitation. I'm going to say today, Lord, I say yes. I'm ready to respond.